to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There will come a time as we enter more fully into the promise of God when God's not going to allow that fleshly thing, whatever that thing might be, He's not going to allow it to remain in His presence. It might have been something that we put so much time and effort and energy and everything else into, and God says, no, I don't recognize that. I, I won't acknowledge that. That's not part of what I'm doing. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapters 20 through 21 in a message titled, A Lapse of Faith. Now here's Pastor Brian. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he had a sneaking suspicion that if he went and preached, God might forgive them And he didn't want that to happen. He wanted God to judge them. And so that's why he fled. Then, of course, you know the story. God eventually gets him there. He walks through the city and just simply proclaims destruction is coming in 40 days. And what happens? There's a great repentance and there's a great, you know, revival, if you will, that breaks out. And then where does Jonah go from there? He goes and sits down under this gourd and he's just depressed out of his mind because God forgave these people. Now, this guy's a prophet. The point is simply this. We all have feet of clay. And learn this lesson. Don't trust in men. The best of men will let you down. Trust the Lord. Look to the Lord. You know, so many people say, oh, I don't uh, Christianity and church, and I'm gonna, it's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you know, the whole world is full of hypocrites. And certainly there are hypocrites in the church. But you know, here's, here's the truth Jesus was no hypocrite. And there's no place in the Bible where God ever said to look to any other person, God calls us to look to Christ. And Jesus never failed. Jesus will never let you down. Your expectation of Jesus cannot be too high because he'll never disappoint. But even somebody as great as Abraham, we see that here he is, he's a man. He's a prophet, all right. And he's gonna pray for Abimelech. And God is gonna bless Abimelech because Abraham prays for him. But at this point, His testimony as a prophet isn't really a good one. But in verse 14, we read, Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was, some translations read she was vindicated. Uh, Others read she was rebuked. I think the way he said to her, your brother, I think it was a mild rebuke because she had, of course, agreed to that. And so Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children 
For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. He called him Isaac. Remember the Lord said, call him Isaac, which means, of course, laughter or rejoicing. And think about it now. 25 years have passed since the promise which was originally given, since the call to leave his country, to come out of Ur and to go to the, to the land that God had promised him, 25 years. He was 75 when he left, and now Isaac is born to him at 100 years of age. You know, as we've mentioned before and We'll mention it again because it's a continual theme in the scripture. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. God does not do things according to our timetable. And we see that here, 25 years. But yet, here's what we also see. God is faithful. If God has spoken a promise to you and it hasn't yet happened and a long time has transpired, don't give up. Don't give up trusting the Lord because if he's spoken a promise to you, he will bring it to pass. He's going to keep that promise. But for whatever reason, reasons only known to God, he oftentimes will you know, he'll take things right to the very brink, won't he? He'll allow us to be pushed right to the limit where you just think, I can't go any further. But he'll come through at the appointed time, and that's what we see here. And so Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his Son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, in that culture, at that time, there's different estimations as to when a child was weaned, what their age was, but most, most would agree probably about three years old. So now three years have passed without any details given. And it's come time for Isaac to be weaned and Abraham, as we read here, he is preparing a great feast. But look at verse nine. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, 
the Egyptian, she had born to Abraham scoffing. Ishmael was about 16 years old at the time. And here he is, as Abraham is rejoicing and throwing this feast for Isaac, Ishmael is scoffing. Now, no doubt there was a a tremendous amount of jealousy that had come in. Ishmael was Abraham's only son. And for 13 years, he had that position in the heart of his father. But now he has obviously been replaced to some extent in Abraham's affection because, of course, Abraham was his wife. And Isaac was the the child of promise. But remember when we talked about Ishmael previously, we talked about how Ishmael was He was Abraham and Sarah's attempt to help God out. He was the byproduct of the flesh. And in one sense, and, you know, I don't want to sound harsh or insensitive in saying this, but, you know, in one sense, Ishmael was never supposed to be in the picture. But he he comes into the picture because of the impatience, because of the weakness, because of the refusal to to rely on the spirit and the the moving into the realm of the flesh to help God out. And now Abraham is faced with a tremendous emotional struggle. And as we pointed out before, we have to be so careful not to become impatient, not to have a lapse of faith and try to take things into our own hands and and not trust God and get ourselves into the flesh because in doing that, we can end up producing things that will be a, a grief to us for years to come. This is something that we really have to be on our guard against because we all have the the potential to do it. We all have the capacity to do it. And so this attempt to help God will be an ongoing source of, of pain for Abraham because obviously he still loves Ishmael. But look what happens Therefore, she said, Sarah, to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. Oh, you can just imagine the pain in Abraham's heart over this. He loves Ishmael. And now Sarah is demanding, she's requiring because of this jealousy, because of this scoffing and and this mocking of Isaac. She demands that Ishmael be sent away. But God said to Abraham, 
Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her. Listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Even the Lord says Sarah's right. It was a painful, painful thing for Abraham. And you see, this is what happens. We, we potentially set ourselves up for trouble and for pain. When we go about and, and produce something in the flesh, that thing just becomes a, a grief to us. Because there will come a time as we enter more fully into the promise of God, there will come a time when God's not going to allow that thing, that fleshly thing, whatever that thing might be, he's not going to allow it to remain in his presence. It might have been something that we put so much time and effort and energy and everything else into, and God says, no, I don't recognize that. I, I won't acknowledge that. That's not part of what I'm doing. We think, oh, but Lord, you don't know how much energy and time and devotion I gave to this. And in a sense, you know, what, what it really comes down to, it, it was a waste of time and energy and devotion. So we have to be careful. I believe, personally, I believe very much in, in a specific call of God for our lives as his people. I believe very much in a specific plan that he has for us. And I believe very much that just like these stories we read in the Bible, God gives promises and then in, in a process of time, he works those things out. And we go through seasons of testing and sometimes we ourselves are tempted to jump in, to get in the flesh, to somehow try to make something happen. And if we succumb to it, if we do it, we will live to regret it later down the road. doesn't mean that we're you know, completely out of the blessing of God. We might very well enter into a great time of blessing later, but we, but we still got this thing we're dragging along with us now. I've got this ball and chain hooked to me that I can't get rid of because I, I wasn't patient. I didn't wait. And with that same kind of uh, pain and intensity that Abraham would have felt in having to send Ishmael away, we can go through those types of things as well. So God says, cast, cast them out. But God says to console Abraham, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar. And he sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. So evidently Ishmael was faint. And so she pushed him under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? 
Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave it to the lad and drank. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Notice something. Did you notice how the word God is used rather than Lord? Notice it was the angel of God. And then notice on every occasion, it's God that is used, it's Elohim that is used rather than Yahweh. And I think that that in and of itself is indicative of the fact that the covenant is not with Ishmael. Remember, God said, I'm going to bless him because he's your descendant, but my covenant will be with Isaac. And Yahweh is the covenant name, the name by which we know God because we are in covenant relationship with him. And in that name, I am that I am. He is to us all that we could possibly need, and he will be to us whatever we might need. And so, verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, Abimelech is a title rather than a name. So it's, it's sort of like Pharaoh. Abimelech would be the title of the king. So whether this is the same Abimelech as previously, we're not sure, but obviously would be his descendant, if not actually him. So they came to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. So now some time has passed from the last situation, of course, before uh, Isaac was conceived and born. So now some years have transpired. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. So Beersheba means the well of the oath or the well of the seven. Thus, they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. So these guys are Philistines. These were the, the original Philistines. They came early. They would come in a much larger proportion later, but these were the first Philistines that came into the land. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord the everlasting God. 
And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. So Abraham planted a tree and called on the name of the Lord. You know, Abraham was a worshiper of God, and and this was an act of worship, really. We have made the mistake of thinking of, of worship strictly in terms of singing songs. And, and it, you know, it's really kind of unfortunate. And it's, it's something that it's almost like we can't get away from it, you know. Every time we, uh, so often every time we just speak of worship, we're, you know, in the context, we're speaking about the singing part of the service or whatever. But, you know, the Bible only connects worship with singing one time. The many, many times that worship is used in Scripture or the term is found, it's only connected with singing one time. Now, praise, of course, is connected with singing most of the time. But I think it's important that we understand that worship is a whole lot more than singing. Worship is really the offering up of our lives to the Lord. And here is a a demonstration of Abraham's worship. He's just wanting to worship the Lord, so he plants a tree and just says, Lord, this tree's for you. And worshiping God is is the giving of ourselves to him. It's the giving up of of sacrifice. And of course, the, the the greatest act of worship is, as Paul says in Romans 12, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord, which is... Your reasonable service, that's the translation that we are familiar with from the King James and the New King James. But another translation is, which is your spiritual act of worship? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So you see, worship is not simply singing. You know, I hate it when I hear people say, you know, Oh, man, I go to this church, and, uh, you know, I, I don't really like the teaching, but the worship is so good. You know, whenever somebody says that to me, I think, now, what is that saying? Basically, what you're telling me is you feel good when people are singing there. And then what does that mean? Is, is the end of worship so I feel good? Is worship about me feeling good? And if I didn't feel good, then, I, then the worship was bad. No, see, worship isn't about me feeling anything. Worship is about my life being given to God as a living sacrifice. Remember, Abraham, as far as we know, he didn't sing any songs. (laughs) At least we don't read about it. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. We're, We're never told in Scripture. But he was a worshiper. And he worshiped with his life. And he worshiped by giving to God. And that's what worship is. It's a sacrifice. It's the giving over of our lives to God for His glory. Presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, that is our spiritual act of worship. November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, 
a non-anxious presence, how a changing and complex world will create a remnant of renewed Christian leaders by Mark Sayers. Have you sensed anxiety in our culture? Have you been affected by the viral flow of anxiety sweeping through social media networks and institutions? Have you wrestled with the loss of personal comfort and stability? If you answered yes to these questions, then you have the opportunity for spiritual growth in response to God's invitation to grow with Him. In his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, Mark Sayers argues that because of the interconnectedness of the global culture, our world has shifted from being one that was complicated to one that is complex. A complicated world requires efficiency, but a complex world requires adaptability. And this is exactly what this book was designed to do, to help you learn how to adapt in our changing world for the benefit of spiritual growth. This book, A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.